Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before using the Forgotify website. I'm Ravi, your first toast, and then these other two jokers I've got with me. Take uh, Introduce yourself, fellas. Hello, everyone. My name's Eric. And I guess... Um... What are we, the secondary hosts? That's Is that what's implied by the, the language first first yeah. hosts here, Robbie? Right, Yeah, right. We're, we're the co-co-hosts. Yeah. Co-co-hosts. The, 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 the assistant to the assistant of the regional managers over right, here. Right, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that position. It's, it's me, Matt, as always. How's it going, everyone? Uh, they can't respond, Matt. I, I know. It's a rhetorical question, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there was a pause. Like, you know, we, I wasn't sure if you were waiting, you know. Uh, I just wanted to maybe, remind you. Maybe yeah. I was asking you guys. Maybe all social etiquette has been thrown out the window because we've been in isolation for like over almost almost a year now. Not not over. Almost a so. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember that time when we all thought we were just like getting an extended, you know, spring, spring break. break? Yeah. Oh. And here we are, just as I called it, I'm ready and waiting to see the COVID Valentine's Day cards hitting the shelves. It's like, we're like a That's month right. out. Yep. yep. That's right. Time flies. Oh, Time boy. flies when you're living through a pandemic. But anyways, we don't need yeah. to remind our, our lovely listeners of the real world. This they is come their... here to escape that. Exactly. Right. Like a book yeah. or a video game, but better because it's with us. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I've yet to be featured in any video game, Sega. So return dude, my emails. You, dude, do you really want Sega making your video game? It was just a, yeah. Put me, put me in the next Sonic game. I could be the original OC. <laughs> Haven't we talked about how Sega just like drops the ball on all their IPs? I could turn it around. <laughs> you heard it here he's first, a, folks. He's a compelling character. Yeah. yeah. Let me be friends oh. with Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> all right um before we get into uh our tracks for today i just wanted to let our viewers know so a few people may remember that several weeks ago we had a tuba virtuoso featured on the show named howard johnson and it is a sad day because just a couple days ago he passed away um he i guess had been sick for quite a while and he passed away at his home in in harlem for those who are curious about his music, uh, the New York Times has written a wonderful article about his life um, and his accomplishments and everything he contributed to the craft that I highly recommend you all go and check out. It's really beautifully written. Um, and just to give you a sample, his career spanned hundreds of albums and thousands of gigs. He played on many of the major jazz recordings of the 1960s and 70s by musicians like Charles Mingus, McCoy Tyner, Carla Bley, and Charlie Hayden. He contributed to arrangements and horn parts for rock stars like John Lennon and Taj Mahal, and performed as an original original member of the Saturday Night Live band. So truly um, one of the biggest people in the tuba world, and we're all sad to hear that he passed away. Anyway, I thought it would be remiss of us not to talk just briefly about it. I'm really glad we came across this stuff on the show. It's like, it's so crazy when you just hear about these giants that completely fly under the radar because like, they they just kind of like touched everything that seems to pass through that time, right? Right. It's crazy. I mean, like, um, 
this it just reminds me of something that I recently read an article or watched an interview and read the article about like a one of the most like the biggest longest resume voice actors in um in Hollywood. He's a like a I think it was going around one of my Asian American Facebook groups. He's a Chinese voice actor who did like the the Emperor's assistant in um, Mulan and like oh wow just countless other voices where when you're like oh that was all the same person or something crazy like that right. yeah and, and like now he just got I think he just won an award or received some kind of accolades or acknowledgement for like his contribution to like the the field and like people like that it's just like it's crazy. Yeah, they're never like in the prime starring role, so but they're always there, you know, working alongside a life well lived, it certainly looks like. Oh uh, so, yeah. Prodigious. Very yeah. prolific, prodigious life for sure. But um, anyway, um yeah, I think Robbie we, uh... is starting us off today, isn't that right, Robbie? That's right, Eric. So my selection for this week uh, is by the artist Carol Baker. Now, if you're Canadian, you might know Carol Baker because according to her biography, she grew up in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, and she was sort of one of the big Canadian country music stars in the 70s. Looks like she, in 2009, she also got an Order of Canada for her achievements in Canadian country music as a singer and songwriter. So she, to give you a little more of a backstory, grew up in, or born in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. She, let's see, later moved to Ontario. Uh, and then it sounds like she put out a number of singles, uh, a lot of them that were pretty, doing pretty well on the Canadian country music charts. And so the song we'll be listening to this evening is called Wichita. And it's from the album I'd Go Through It All Again. He was only about two. He was six and four. But she ain't looking up to him no more. With a face he can't forget and the love he couldn't get. Old Wichita keeps pacing across the floor. Cause the big man is hurt bad. The big man is low and sad. They say that he's too big and tough to cry. Right, and so I mentioned this to to the guys when we were listening to it, but here's my new 2021 thing. My new, all the music I'm into now is about people's size. All the songs I want to hear are about how tall or how short a person is. If your song doesn't give me the height of your person and, and uh, compare it to another person's height, I'm not interested in it anymore. That's Fair all enough, I want. Robbie. That's yeah, all right. I want. I, it's a specific genre. You know, I right. think you might have trouble really fleshing it out, but well, I'm sure there's stuff out there for you. Think of it this way. How much better would the song Hey Jude be if we knew that Jude was like 5'11"? I would be more connected with the song. Wasn't there a song? Here it was. Skin and Bone Jerome from like episodes yeah, ago. I guess we know that he's thin, but do we know how tall he right. is? Right. Is he big? Is he tall, skinny? Short, skinny? We don't know. He He hasn't really been fleshed out, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> And another thing I really like about this track, and it's something we've talked about uh, a bit in previous or, or recent episodes, is uh, sort of the uniqueness of an artist. And I think especially in terms of voice, this person has a very distinct voice. You may not like it, and that's fair, but it's something that 
I think is, uh, well, idiosyncratic enough and kind of its own thing enough that I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's certainly um, ear catching, right? And it's the timbre a little bit, but the vibrato especially, you know, it it makes you wonder um, where it comes from. If it's just like a natural, her natural way of doing vibrato, you know, or is it just a sound that she really likes the very, very fast um, warbly warbly vibrato yes that's uh that's the word for it um yeah i don't know the mix of instruments you know we've got that really low sax down there um whether it's baritone or maybe even bass i i can't quite tell it's it's really down there i think it really adds something to the track um this we were talking before the show this really reminds i think all of us instantly of and this album came out in 1974 same time um, Jolene did, just for context. This was kind of, uh, not that their voices are that similar, but I think the style or the uh, the end game is, is kind of similar there. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, definitely like the, the style of singing. I wonder if it was just trendier because I could, it's the timbre that really does it for me. I could think of several other uh, singers from around this time in the 70s where they're going for that more raspy kind of timbre and I think I think we've talked about it a little more and maybe the reason why it's so ear-catching is because uh, as Robbie mentioned not only is it very idiosyncratic it kind of breaks the mold or goes against the grain of what singers typically would want what we typically think singers want to achieve when they're singing right usually we think of singing as like a I don't know I guess the ideal tone being clear or or maybe the the term the word pure like a very pure tone sure um in the way that you know i guess people would assume music should soothe and that uh, a vocal timbre vocal tone production should be kind of like uh for lack of a better word like not harsh and this is decidedly like almost very intentionally a harsh like a vocal tone and timbre to it but um, something I wanted to touch on was, Robbie, you didn't mention this to us earlier, and now I'm obsessed with it. This is Canadian country music? Yes. Yeah, that... you didn't say that, Robbie. Yeah, well, it, I wanted to gotta save some surprises for the big show. Uh, but yeah, it's a Canadian country music, and according to sort of her bio I was able to find, she grew up not really liking country music, but then she moved to Ontario, or, well, uh, a more cosmopolitan kind of area, and then uh, she sort of got homesick for this type of music, and that's what really got her interest going on it. But okay, that's another well, interesting thing. Canadian hope, country music. I hope this is one of the most stupid things I say on the show, but I just did not know or think that Canadians had country music. Got, well, they got country. Also, I, I, I guess, but like, I just never would have thought like, oh yeah, Canadians, they have country music also, just like we have country music. Yeah, I mean, it's it just seems like, mentally for me, it just seems like such a geographically based thing, right? Right. And I guess it's not really anymore, and I guess it wasn't at that time either, but yeah, I, I never would have thought, especially in 1974, that up in Canada, they had their uh, their parallel country music scene going. I mean, like... There's definitely not European country music, is there? I don't. There has to be they at this point. They would just call that folk like... music, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the OG so, yeah. country country music, the, right. the music of the, the shepherds. Music. Well, that's yeah. actually an interesting question. 
because you know of course there there's rural areas in many places around the world that have music traditions that sort of spring up there and that sort of might be an interesting genre kind of delineation because when we say country music we're thinking like very much this style like or maybe for us what comes to mind is is like the the southern american or western sort of vistas and, and musical traditions but you know maybe music that's from the country or more rural areas of, of like you say somewhere in europe we'll just call i don't know what we would call it folk music world music hmm old old music old, old world maybe old, old world, world music or, or I, think, I, I think it just depends on the location and yeah it could fall into a few different categories but yeah you know, we wouldn't is, call it country right they probably also have their own words for it too right um, that's true too. uh like i don't know what polka be like the equivalent for germany and like austria of, of like country music i don't know you know what that I, might be? I don't think so i don't i don't really think so but yeah like i guess maybe that explains some of the like the fact that it's canadian explains some of the irregularities that we were all kind of sensing with like dolly Parton country music right mm. right because we had said we like could... there's there's like hints of of like maple blues, in their voice like some what else did we say? Like blues a little bit. What did you guys say? Oh yeah, uh, the the duop kind of B section where like the bass line goes like bum ba dum bum ba dum like right, that that, kind of that thing. part. Well, even I think in some of Dolly Parton's music, like you think of a song like Nine to Five, it kind of has have a, has a similar type of groove, and I think a lot of classic country has a lot of hallmarks that are, are similar or that have you know, similar genealogies to blues music and, and, and rock music and stuff like that. I think what gets me about um, her story of, you know, moving to the city and then getting homesick and digging into this style of music more is that means that there's a whole genre that she was tapping into that we are completely unfamiliar to. It wasn't like she listened to American country music and she was like, oh, I really, I really like that. Let me do that up here. It's like she was listening to Canadian country music and their their genre, their their kind of version of it, and then decided to recreate that. Man, you know so what I'm, I mean? I'm just thinking of okay. how funny it would be to transplant American country to like a completely random region of the world. Do you remember uh, Hey Arnold? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember when they make Mr. Wen into a country like country western star? I think vaguely, yeah. Uh, I I can even remember all, how the song goes. It's like, uh, you can buy me all the riches in the world, or something like that. And like, uh, <laughs> he has like he has like the voice that he like does like like a real cowboy voice for some reason. Hmm. And like they give him a cowboy hat and everything. But Mister One's character is like Vietnamese. That's like that's pretty funny. And then there's a, uh, well, I guess they're still American, but you guys have seen Archer or no? They have, have an entire season. They have an entire season where they make one of the main characters a country star as oh, a I have seen subplot. That, yeah. yeah, the the album's actually on Spotify. Outlaw <laughs> Country. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's not bad either. Like I've unironically listened to it. Huh. But that's just anyway abstraction. Um, you know, the neighbor yeah. of of the birthplace of country music, I guess, right? Yeah. Sure. Something about the name Carol Baker with two R's and two L's. Also, it just looks it looks right. You know, that looks like the that would be the Canadian brand of Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I could sense. I could. I'm, I'm feeling the Canadianness off the name. 
<laughs> is Wichita in Canada? I'm I'm really just showing my Canadian ignorance here. I don't like... think. Well, the only one I can think of is in Kansas. There may right. very well be. Right. Like, is there? I don't know. But there's like a Miami and Ohio, so I don't know. <laughs> That's true. And <laughs> He's got us go, there. <laughs> if you go there, they will tell you it was there before we got the state of Florida. Really? Is that it, like it, their their point? That's of That's their thing. That's they, true. They make we've, t-shirts. They make t-shirts that say that. They make bumper stickers. Oh, okay. You know? okay. They they gotta let the people know. It's actually in the city of Oxford, Ohio. So there's another fun geographic twist for, twist for you. The school's named after the local Native American tribe. I think you're up next. Yes. So uh, this week, I was very pleased to find uh, a track that I think is pretty cool. So this track is called Chin, but it's spelled Q-I-N, and it's by the band Lonely China Day off of their, uh, I think their first album called Memoir. So just a little bit before uh, we listen about the band, Lonely China Day is a Chinese indie rock band from Beijing. And it says here that they've often been compared to Sugar Ross uh, due to their methodical kind of groaning guitars and of course a non-English lyrics uh their lead singer deng pei uh also performs mostly in mandarin and even actually derives some of the lyrics from ancient chinese poetry which is really cool so he's their front man their guitarist and their uh their singer and actually i'm reading here it's kind of cool he was apparently a natural lefty guitar player but he wasn't able to like get a lefty guitar so he was playing switch the opposite way but then apparently he injured his little finger and had to switch back so that's like it's like kind of crazy. That's like some Jimi Hendrix stuff right there. Whoa. But um, yeah, so why don't we just take a listen real quick to uh, some of the music and then talk about them a little bit more. So this is Chin, and I'm going to start around like 143-ish. We'll just let this go. What a Yeah, so some just really cool stuff going on in terms of like I, I think the instrumentals. Uh, it it reminds me a lot too of like kind of prog prog rock and like little bits of metal and the guitar playing, you know, a good heavy amount of distortion. But I I I was just really drawn to like the sound of this because it's for me it's always really interesting to hear rock as it's kind of traversed the globe. And um, something that I initially mentioned to uh, Eric and Robbie, to you guys, was that um, to me, it doesn't really seem like rock really stuck in many of the Asian countries, aside from Japan, where it's like extremely popular. You know, when you think of kind of like um, anime intros, like Japan's just real big on on rock. But I don't really think it's too big in continental China. And um, yeah, uh, what... What were you guys kind of thoughts on the music? Because I remember you had some good points and I'd love to hear you talk about them some more. Yeah, I think um, you're right. It is, it's always interesting hearing rock um, performed in a different language because it is really one of those genres that even though it maybe started over here, has traversed 
pretty much the entirety of the globe at this point. You know, there's rock bands in every country. You can find it performed in every language. And hearing the the individual takes that these various bands take on rock, like their takes on rock, is always interesting to see how they incorporate their own country's kind of musical values and um, musical elements into their songs. Um, just it's just interesting seeing that. So I this immediately reminded me of a Korean rock band, another country where you're right. It's not super popular to have indie rock in Korea, especially right now. But uh, their name's Hyuko, and there are elements of this that I think um, I find to be very similar to that particular band. Um, I like this band. There's a lot of really really great things happening. There's a rougher quality to the lead singer's voice, of course. And it's interesting. And also the intonation is just slightly off from the bass chords. Um, but it does catch the ear. You know, it is, it does have like a, an effect on the way you're perceiving the sound and like maybe the emotional effect that the sound, the song has on you. I don't know, just things that are coming to mind. Robbie, what do you think? Uh, I think an another thing, and sort of maybe of a of a piece with our last song too. It's a very kind of particular vibrato, right? So kind of yeah. the delivery of the the vocal line. Uh, it's it's maybe not a type of vibrato or, or a stylistic choice you'd hear in, in a lot of American rock bands. Um, but yeah, it it's it's what very well put together. Really nice guitar work. I like the. I think they're they're the intro. We had uh, we we're starting in the middle, but when we listened to the intro, it went on maybe a little bit too long. But I think it had especially a good hook to get us into the the first verse there. So lots of interesting kinds of melodic riffs. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So with a lot of the songs that we find on Forgotify, that's like a typical quote unquote problem that we find with a lot of these songs, right? Is that either the intros or the outros or some part of the song. They just needed to cut some of it, like whether they repeat the same material too many times or they just aren't exactly sure where they're going with it. And I think if you listen to the song from the beginning, I'm not sure you would make it to the actual interesting material. Like there's a chance you would shut off the song before you got there. Yeah. But once you get into the song, they have a quality product. Yeah, the intro... It, I think it lasts like a solid 30 seconds. And when we were listening to it, it was just like, one of these repeats probably could have been cut. It's just a really nice riff. And like, I totally understand wanting to hang out on like a, a good guitar riff. Yeah, I wanted to just uh, talk a couple, a little bit about those like points you guys brought up. Because again, those were really on my mind when I was listening to it. I think the thing about the singing, the vocal quality, if I had to guess, I'm going to do some theory crafting here. Oh boy. Um, if you look at the album, uh, this is one of, I think it's the only song on the album with a Chinese word as the title. And, you know, just based off the band's description, the fact that they use ancient poetry at times, uh, it seems like they are pretty interested in incorporating traditional Chinese elements into the, the music. And I think that guitar riff right off the bat just kind of sounds like a minor pentatonic scale and pentatonic scale is in more common use in, in Asian music in general. And I think this this style of singing, it really is reminiscent of traditional um, Chinese and traditional Asian styles of singing as a whole. Um, just thinking back to the brief times that I've studied like Peking opera, more traditional 
uh, Korean styles of singing too. That that uh, what did you call it? Maybe a wider vibrato or something a little more a more dramatic vibrato. You know? Yeah, yeah. Those seem to be more in line with the stylings of uh, like traditional uh, older styles of singing. And I, it's cool because like whenever I listened to those like Peking opera and stuff, I would be thinking like it's pretty metal, you know, <laughs> like that yeah. harsh vocal tone. It's it's very metal. It's stuff that we think again, uh, singing styles that are outside of the the norm or like the desired typical vocal production. I don't know. Think of like screamo, like real guttural screaming stuff like that, where you're really trying to get the effect of the this vocal timbre uh right or the music yeah and certainly in screamo intonation isn't always at the uh forefront of <laughs> yeah the the vocal quality you know? i just remembered and in, in like high school there's this kid who lived around the block from me who was like a super goth like like painted jack skellington makeup on their face like oh, fuck. And, and like walked to school like that and like would be at school like that and he had to walk past my house to go on his route to school. And sure. he, he listened to and sang along to like super, super hardcore screamo. And I don't know. Do you guys remember how early we woke up for high school? Like six? Yeah, it was early. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Like really early. And I was, cause of course, he's got to be going to school earlier than me if he's walking. I would like be waking up and I would just hear this like... <laughs> outside my window right because he could he could do both he could do like the really low demonic screaming and then like you know the really high one too right yeah. <laughs> what he, a way to do, wake he, up he could do both so yeah. he, he was actually pretty good at it too <laughs> that's the thing practicing every day I bet. yeah it's yeah. i'm sure it's hard and he got he got pretty good at it by the end of it not that i was ever like oh that sounds good today carl i was like please stop <laughs> yeah his name was carl uh... i hope he's not listening <laughs> Carl, if you're out there, come on the show. Please don't. <laughs> Jack Skellington. No, no, we insist. Robbie and I vote to have Carl on the show. You've been overruled, man. Yeah. No. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you Great. can apologize then. Uh, but okay. um, yeah, I, I just really liked this find, and um, I think it's really cool. I love hearing indie music from other from other countries, and uh, I, I wonder, like, you know, indie music doesn't seem super big in China. I think we kind of could glean that from the interview where he's like, what was it? Weekend shows are for the big shots. Yeah, why do right. you why do you have shows on Thursday nights? And he goes, yeah. Weekend shows are for the big shots. But um, yeah, really, really cool discovery. I think I'm going to check out more of their albums on Spotify. I think their most recent stuff was like from 2010 or 11-ish. Oh. So uh, yeah, check out Lonely Day China if you're ever interested in what Beijing indie rock sounds like. Yeah, good find, Matt. Okay, and I guess that leaves me. So today we are listening to Joshua Crone perform Just Breathe on his only EP, I believe, only like published track, the Let It Out EP. For the moment when you So this is another one of those 
bands that I think sounds exactly like the period in which they were published. So this album came out in 2011. For us, that was junior year, senior year of high school, somewhere in there. End of high school, yeah. Yeah, end of high school. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of music I can remember listening to. Sounded basically like this. It's good. Like I, I honestly think it's unironically good. I like it. I think, you know, if he had a full studio and like production company behind him, he could have fit in with any number of artists and held his own just fine. But, you know, he it's it's hard to do that. It's hard to get there. You know, it's hard to get any kind of actual support that way. So this was just one of those things where you put out a good product. And unfortunately, the market's just so saturated with songs that sound like this that I don't think it ever really, um, you know, popped off for him. But it was him and his friend recorded, produced, wrote just the two of them this entire album. They're playing all the instruments on it. Pretty impressive. I like I, I think it's good. What do you guys think? God, no, I, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, like you said, the, the the music of this time. And I think especially the voice we 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 talked about. It's very Al City. It's an yeah. acute case of Al City voice he's got going on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's well put together, right? It's, it's certainly a, of the style of music, of the genre, of the pop punk kind of music we would hear around this time. Uh, and I think maybe just in terms of, you know, we've talked a lot about vocal quality today. This is maybe on that other end of the spectrum, a very clear, almost cherubic, you might say, kind of tone to it. Whiny at times. It's one of Matt's uh, whiny well, boy musics. Well. <laughs> it is. This is this yeah. is like totally one of my selections. You know what it is? And I'm, again, I can only say good things about this album, but it's almost like... This is too ubiquitous of the time, right? This is this is like it's, it's almost, on the nose, right? Right. It's it's like exactly, and maybe that's why it didn't stand out. Because like, if you wanted to show someone like this is what pop punk is, I could show them this song. Yeah, it's, it's got you like could. all all the hallmarks of the genre, and like um, you know, on the second listen, the production it sounds great, and given yeah. especially that this is a small production, like the mixing artist and the the mastering, it they know what they were doing. The songwriting is, is solid, but the singing, maybe it's just that it's like, cher- cherubic's a good word. It's almost like it's too sterile or something. I don't know. It It's, it's too clean. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, like even the, what was it? There's like a, an antecedent consequent in there where it's like, he says something and then like a little, a little whisper echo voice, like, oh yeah. Oh, I miss I'm like it's like it's just too it you're right it's too on the nose because this it's this is exactly like what i listened to in in high school um can we actually play just a teeny tiny bit of the the title track since this is the let it out ep can we just play like yeah, a go little for snip it. of of let it go out it. because i think this one is especially like oh yeah this was 2011 i'll skip to like the middle ish i think I, I liked right around here or something and i'll turn the volume up you were pretty sure no one noticed when you were brave and you let it out. I... It's, you know, yeah. this, it's just ah. pop punk. Fucking cut to Matt getting ready for school in the morning. And it, it's just, <laughs> just a montage of like getting ready, going oh, into yeah. the school building. 
this would be in my soundtrack for my version yeah. of Scott Pilgrim versus the versus the world or whatever. He's you know? he's putting on his fingerless gloves. He's getting his right. guy liner on. Uh, how'd you know? How'd you? He's straightening his his hair. You know, he's in, got the bangs covering the grade, eyes. In sixth grade, I so badly wanted fingerless gloves because <laughs> I saw them just in... like your hero Jack Skellington. I or I had, I had music, several music. Jack Skellington. Um, t-shirts but i remember embarrassingly my mom bringing me to like three different malls because i just really wanted to find fingerless gloves at a hot topic yeah. <laughs> watch too much uh not yugi but joey wheeler and Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah yeah the fingerless gloves right that's it that's it i think he did didn't he am i making um, that up no no oh maybe you're thinking of the dueling gloves they had to wear because they right. didn't have fingers Those on, the, on yeah. the ends what was it i was saying about the band this I was wrong. What was the actual band, Eric? But boys like girls. Yeah, boys like girls. This one, it sounds like it just sounds like boys like girls to me. And again, it's it's just all the hallmarks of the style. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, but it's fun, you know. It's it's always cool to see tracks like this that have were obviously passion projects, were produced well, you know. Obviously, didn't get their time in the in the limelight. But we're still great, you know? We're still very fun to listen to. And I, I'm sorry, I have to correct one thing. So him and his friend did this whole album, and then it was mastered by a third guy out of state. But just if you, anyone's wondering what Joshua Crone is up to now, I really can't find that much out online. There does appear to be a Joshua Crone who is a um, graphic designer, web designer, brand and web designer. Who lives in Wisconsin, which is where this Joshua Crone also was from. Uh, but can't tell if it's the same person. He doesn't talk about his former uh, musical musical life, so it's hard to say. Do you think he would design our website, the Drop the Needle in the Haystack website? I'm sure if we paid him money to do that, he would do that for us. Okay, fuck it, Eric. I don't need your attitude right now. <laughs> getting into this new year, starting <laughs> off like that. No, thank you. What would our website do? It would uh, link right back to the podcast, I guess. Or it would, it would fund to Joshua Crone's career. It would help our friend Joshua Crone out with his bills. Uh, could it also do something like really mundane and useless? Like, have you guys ever seen the website Is It Christmas? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One yeah. of those websites where someone but... pays, you know, like two hundred dollars a year to tell you no, no, no for three hundred sixty-four days, and then yes, and then yes. Or it's a good um, bet. What's it called? The fucking weather, where it's just an angry website that tells you the weather. <laughs> oh, with like an expletive in front of yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fucking uh, snowing. It's fucking cold, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. We're really gonna have to put the label on this. <laughs> Don't worry, I put it on every episode now. It's okay. Right. Sorry. So normally it's Robbie who who we can't you know we can't again, control, as long but as we're using it as an adjective. Right. Right. Yep. But let me just have my one. My one little necessary music theory mini rant. Of course. I do like this guy's music. The only problem is that, like I think I said earlier, three out of four songs on the EP are four chord songs. And for those of you who are our viewers who don't know, I have a blood vendetta against four <laughs> chord songs. <laughs> because the moment that I hear the four chord song progression, the four chord progression, I just lose interest like almost immediately. It can completely ruin a song for me. And when we listened to Just Breathe, I was like, yeah, this is good. And then we got to the chorus, and it was a four-chord song. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. It just ruins it for me. Yeah, that's what happens when you get a DMA in composition, I guess. You get it too is. good for four chord songs. Right, you can't enjoy music anymore. I can't, I can't. This, this, <laughs> this, is, this is a curse I've been living with for a very yeah. long time. You heard it here first, folks. If you really some, if you really love something, study it until you hate it. <laughs> exactly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that cheery, uplifting note, <laughs> let's talk about music that we love. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why we're here. Right? No, we do. We like Josh. We don't. We're, we. If you ever hear this, which you probably won't, but we like their songs. We're just we like yeah. the songs, except I don't like four chord progressions, and that's it. That's a me problem, Josh. That's not a yeah. you problem. That's a Matt yeah. problem. <laughs> we're trying to trade him out of it. It's going slowly. All right. So, what did you guys listen to this week? Should I start? Yeah, yeah go ahead, Robbie. Okay, so this week, in fact, just today, I listened to an album called Attica Blues by Archie Shep. And so this is very much in the sort of 1970s kind of free jazz experimental kind of psychedelic genre, which is, a, I guess, a long way of saying it's, it's, it's a vibe. It's the kind of thing you got to <laughs> just sort of put on and let it wash over you because there's a lot of sounds there's not very many chords there's uh like poetry in between the ones but if you're in the right you know space I headspace headspace it's a good it's a good album it's a good album and what headspace is that robbie it's just fucking whatever headspace you can <laughs> legally acquire eric <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Matt, what'd you listen to? You a yeah. fucking cop? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eric, are you a narc? Have you been uh, <laughs> infiltrating podcasts to weed them out? <laughs> uh. Anyway. 18 episodes in, we got him, boys. Oh, take just, him away. Kick him my door. <laughs> what a ridiculous sting operation. Oh. oh my god. Anyway, who's next? Matt's next. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't know why this this one came back into my life, but uh, for me, I like I like randomly get stuck on single songs at a time, and I watched this movie like. I want to say years ago, like four years ago. Did you guys watch Cloud Atlas? Oh, I didn't, I didn't. watch it, but I, I heard of it. It's, it's like a beast of a movie. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I'm not really sure how it, it aged. I, I only watched it, like, again, once. And it's, mm -hmm. it was like a three-hour-long movie that, like, stuck with me for, like, days because it was just kind of like a... Like, like one of those movies that makes your brain hurt while you're watching it. Right. Sure. I'd, I'd say the same level of brain pain as, like, uh, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. Or, um, what was that one with, uh, uh, Mr. Nobody? That one hurt my brain, too. But, um, anyway, so I watched Cloud Atlas, and the main theme for that movie just, like, really stuck with me. And sometimes I just, like, put that one on, and, uh, this week I was listening to it a lot while I was doing, like, my emails. So, I don't know. If anyone's feeling it, just listen to the main theme of Cloud Atlas. It's really nice. Really simple. Really nice. Oh, Who's the check composer? It out. Oh, who is the composer on that one? I don't. If it's Hans Zimmer, I'm going to be mad, but I don't think it was a big-name person. Oh, it was like a combination of mostly Robert Frobisher. 
Oh, wait, no, that was the character, because there was a composer character in the... God damn it. Ugh. <laughs> they they put together the movie just to foil this kind of Google search. Uh, I'll get get, get back to me. I've got a I've got a. Right, right. take it away. Well, you look it up. Well, you look it up. So this week I listened to the 2018 Met production of Tosca by Puccini, which you know I don't listen to a lot of opera, but I'm working on a separate project, so I had to I had to listen to this one. And I gotta say, you know, every time I watch a Met production, I wonder why I don't watch more of them, you know? Hmm. Like, they're always so good that uh, makes me wonder why I don't listen to more opera. Anyway, would recommend. Would recommend. What's your favorite aria from Tosca? Uh, the last one. When I, I'm sorry, I don't know, like, all the, the Italian name, but it's right, it's as he's about to die he's like remembering the first time he met tosca our ah, our main yes. character mario he's remembering the first time he met tosca and the death aria always yeah, a good the death one aria. yeah i think classic um, opera victor borga made a joke about opera he's like um there's the death arias and the love arias and then the stuff in between <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe a maybe a fight aria um that's true but anyway, I got the composer name, and I, I just don't know how to say it. Tom Tyker, Tyker, T-Y-K-W-E-R. T-Y-K-W-E-R. And uh, the composer of the main theme, and also the director. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Wait, he was the director? I thought the Cloud Atlas was the Wachowski's production. I think he... It says co-director. Sorry. Sorry about oh. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like our situation, Matt, where you yeah. and I are like co-co-directors, but right. Wachowski is like Robbie. He's the real director. I'm both Wachowskis. That's yeah. right. That's Wachowskis. Right, people made fun of Cloud Atlas because there was like a part that was like just the Matrix. So, yeah, makes sense. Uh, well, if you make the best movie in the world, the only thing you could do is make it again. After making it again two other times. Well, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> it was applied. Didn't they also do the Netflix show? What was that called? Sense Eight. Yes. I like the Wachowskis. Yes. Noted. Yeah, yeah. Good productions. But I think that about wraps it up for this week, right, guys? Yeah, right, I so... think that's uh, that clears it all up. Sorry, go ahead, Robbie. Yes, thank you. Eric was about to do it without your prompting. Yeah, me, I know. Man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. I messed it all up. I messed it all up. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. So if you enjoyed our show, please rate and review it and follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts uh also you can connect with us on uh twitter at drop haystack and on facebook and instagram at drop the needle in the haystack eric take it away as always thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you next week <laughs> we'll catch you next <laughs> that, week that voice modulation there at the end yeah ba 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 Thank <laughs> you.